Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Deeply Rooted Business Podcast. If this is your first time here, I am Jess, um, your resident operations mastermind, and I am here with Rachel, what did we call her? Your marketing ecosystem gardener. Today, we're going to move into more Rachel's realm because we've been living in the ops realm since the year started. Today, we're going to be talking about coming out of hibernation, starting to stretch and get your business back visible so that people know about you so that eventually they can hire you and work with you and your business can grow. And I, out of all of the topics that we talk about, this visibility for me is one of my kind of biggest opportunities. So I'm really excited to hear Rachel's take on this because I think she does a good job at being visible in a bunch of different ways. So I'm super excited to talk about this. What about you, yeah. Rachel? Yeah. So we have two zones of visibility that we're going to focus on today. It's going to be the content side. So very like outbound, go on social, and then the very deeply intimate kind of like networking side, which is the connection. So I'm going to talk through a little bit of those content sides, and then we'll kind of transition to the connections. As of this point, if you have been a listener of the podcast, you have heard us develop the annual plan. We have set our goals. We have really established what our push seasons and our pull seasons are going to be throughout the year. So that's the first place to start, at least the first place that I recommend starting to reverse engineer down into your content goals. Because the thing that we don't want to do is just post just to post, send just to send, and go through the motions of things. Like as business owners, we are already busy enough. Like we literally don't need just checked off like to-dos just for the sake of checking off to-dos. So everything we want to do is like really intentional. And we really want to lean into content that makes an impact rather than content that just gets scrolled by. Yeah. One of the, I'm a very visual person. So one of the images that come into my mind or the way that my marketing, my business coaches have explained this to me is like putting up sort of a marketing bridge. So your lead magnets and your nurture sequence is that bridge. And this visibility content that we're talking about is like the billboards up on the mainland to get them to your like offer island, your little business island that's out here. Putting up these billboards are super important and putting up intentional billboards and not just anything because I could make a post about how cute my dogs are, but that's not getting, pointing them to the direction of where I want to be. So that's where Rachel's talk the content that you're producing so that we're just not like checking something off our list. There is an end game and end goal in mind. I'm not a big fan of siloing your marketing platforms, but I think for the fact or for the purpose of this episode, I think we should look at things like email marketing and social media as a little bit of separate entities within your business. And the way that I always break this down is that the majority of business owners use their social platforms to be everything and anything inside of the sales cycle. What it truly should be is the top of the funnel. And then you use your email list or a blog or whatever that looks like to then transition them further and further down that kind of like awareness funnel, sales funnel, and all of that. So the biggest mistake that I see a lot of people doing right now is that they're expecting their 
social platforms to literally exist as the attraction method, the conversion method, the nurture method, every single thing inside of one thing. So we're starting a new year. So let's start fresh by saying the purpose of our social platform should be to attract new audiences and get them going to the next phase, which is the email list side of things. Yes. And I'm sure you have a lot to say about why just staying on social media and trying to use it for everything, because I don't know about you, but I've been seeing about selling in the DMs and not having sales calls and why are you going to waste all this time doing that? And I think one of the main things is, one, you don't out own the platform. You could get locked out. Your account could get deleted. Instagram could go away. And then that if that's all you have, you're like up the creek without a paddle. Also, I do not want to be 60 years old and like making pointy reels and all of these things. I will have a more mature business model at that point. Totally. And I think you have probably seen this with so many people who started their business, like I think 2018, 2019, where that kind of like online business was not the biggest boom that we had experienced like during the pandemic. So you have a lot of people who grew their accounts purely based off of carousels. And then reels were introduced and their entire strategy was halted. It was like, oh my gosh. Then you have people who started their online businesses when reels were introduced and they popped off. And now the algorithm's been adjusted and they're not getting the same reach as they used to. And they're having to adjust. So if we just created some type of fail-safe system for that top of funnel to then create the next phase, you're less chaotic in your overall marketing strategy. From a visibility standpoint, if you do not have an email list, this is my only preaching moment for this episode. But if you don't have an email list, it should be one of your biggest to-dos right now to at least get an inbound flow and a newsletter newsletter strategy going. Forget all the the big funnels and like the complicated like evergreen and all of that. Simply find a way to get your audience from the top of the funnel to the next phase of the funnel within your email system. So definitely step one there because I have a lot to say about email marketing when it comes to visibility. Like some of the things that I think that like a segmentation email to really pop back up into the space of your past leads from 2023, 2022, all of that, bubble back up into their mindset. If you haven't, if you haven't been sending for a while and if you ghosted your list, no shame. But if that happens, creating opportunities within your email list to say, hey, I'm still here. This is what's new. What's going on? If you don't have that, it's really hard to create that same experience on social media. Like the thing like where people are doing like the reintroduction posts, like you can only do that so many times without like your same old followers being like, okay, I know who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. When it comes to your content on a social side, so remembering we have our goals, we have our seasons, we're aware of the season that we're in and we have our goals. Then you start reverse engineering the type of content that you want to create for this month's goal, this month's season. So if we're in a creative season, it could be a lot of market research. It could be a lot of really testing some like different elements of messaging throwing up some engagement polls on social to see what your audience more leans towards. I think that's really impactful in that creative side of things to fuel that 
energy of creation and at least give you the confidence to go into a sales season that is a little bit more. I know exactly what my audiences are going to respond to. I know where their problems are and moving in a direction that is supported by data, but also embracing your creativity as well. I love that. And I love that you broke it down into what you should be posting when you're in like the creation period. And if you didn't, if you don't know what we're talking about, we talked about the different seasons in business, either last episode or two episodes back. And basically the cycles that your business moves through during a year is creation, promotion, and then planning and rest and restoration. So I love looking at it from the lens of during the creation period, you're going to be posting about polls to see what they want to make sure that you're on the right track with creating. Love that. So a lot of people also started the new year in a big sales season. They're in that promotional period because it's the new year, new me. A lot of that messaging can play into sales messaging for specific programs. I've seen a lot of in the health and wellness space, a lot of new programs are being on big promo right now. And so if you're in that space, really understanding that the number one thing you need to be doing to get visible is talking about your program. And I think a lot of people shy away from that. They lean back and say, I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. And this is where I always tell my clients, it can be a super sexy email only launch. And that's appropriate during some times of things. But when you have this ecosystem fully supporting itself and across the board, you almost have this kind of give and take. One consumer is not only buying from email now, they're buying from various touch points. And so really understanding that your systems are there to support one another and not give one the entire weight of the conversion because that's how buyers, that's not how buyers behave these days. And so leaning into that, making sure you're like, oh, I don't want to mess up my grid or I don't know what to post. Like, it's not going to do well because it's promotional. You still need to cater to the people who are paying attention and want to buy right now. Yeah. And I know we've talked about this metric before, but, and I think it's actually gone up, but it's like that eight touch points that people need to be able to build that like known trust factor. Even when I was back in retail days and we were talking about credit cards, that was the same number that they gave us as far as like how many times we're going to have to introduce or bring up that credit card for that person to feel like they know enough about it to be able to invest in that option. So thinking about it that way, when you're in a seven-day launch, you're only sending seven emails that doesn't get to that eight touch points that you need. And I think the number is actually... It's near 14 now. I think it's like 11 to 14 is like the amount of touch points that you need to be hitting on. And they need to be a level of like, Uh, analytical, emotional, sales focus. There's so many ways that you have to cover the bases in a launch that it's just really important to not only allow one platform to take the weight of it all, especially if you have a good engagement on social. I always tell people it needs to be a both launch. It doesn't only need to be a single launch. There are certain things that I'm confident I can sell this out with just my email list. I'm like, beautiful. But if we're like, we have more than 10 spots and we really want to make like an impact from a revenue perspective. We're opening this up to everybody. People are just get distracted so easily. There's so much going on. You really need to be reminding them on social, reminding them on your podcast or YouTube channel if you have that and then reminding an email. And that's where that 
ecosystem that you um, get bounced around. And I've also heard someone call it a sticky web of content where you're just stuck in their ping pong. I remember one time going on to Jenna Kutcher's blog and you just get sucked into this rabbit hole because everything's linking back and forth and then back for social. And that's what you, the effect that you want to be creating when you're using this strategically. Yeah, because if you use like your emails, your blog, your all of that to connect to one another, which it should be doing, it's essentially increasing those touch points from a single touch point per email to, oh, they went to the blog, then they did the content upgrade. Oh, then they checked out this program. You're like taking those touch points from one to five in one sitting rather than hoping that you're going to catch them five more times. Yeah. Yes. Love that. So then I guess the last content season, so if we're reverse engineering this to align with the different seasons, that if you are in rest mode right now and you're in that restorative period still, which I think is so funny because now that we've started the new year, I have seen so many people come with the energy of this is not the time to be like pushing out. Like we are still in the dead of winter it is still very much stale, restorative energy. And I'm absolutely loving that, like that so many people are like going against the grain of what people are pushing from a standard new year type marketing promotion. I'm really enjoying the conversations that I'm seeing of people being like, I'm still recharging. I'm still resting, all of that. Right, but too, we being from New Orleans because my new year doesn't start until after Mardi Gras, which is in February. So everyone can just chill out till then. I'm not going to do any real work till then either. Love that yeah. for us. But what kind of content do you recommend posting during kind of this year? I would this- definitely say to go into that nurture-based content. So think like case studies, think problem awareness, that kind of top of funnel our top of the awareness funnel thing. Assume that they're at the very top of the awareness funnel. You want to just be creating things that feel easy for you, not anything that's complex, not anything that's like super transitional to get them from one stage to another. I always say in the restorative period, embrace ease, client testimonials, case studies, all of those aspects that kind of are easy to crank out and just schedule. Because again, we're aligning with our energies here. We're not trying to think of some crazy complex social strategy and all of that. I say stay consistent with your newsletters, stay top of mind, build engagement, do all of that, but definitely don't create some multiple series thing that feels hard, right? Yes, yes, I love that. So what if I do not like social media? Do Mm -hmm. you have to media. How do you feel? So let's break that down from a email marketing perspective. Let's just say like social, whatever we're doing it. It is, it's not our primary one. Like a lot of my clients exist in this space where their email list is doing literally everything for them. And social's just there to bring in those new people, which I think honestly is the intended purpose of it. It's just attract and then nurture and convert lives in that email marketing bucket. So If you are trying for new visibility efforts within your email list, I would do a resegmentation email. I think that this is so powerful for people who have more like seasonal type businesses. So think like wedding planners, think anything having to do with like 
babies, toddlers, children, something that's like more of a stage of business. Like you've had your email list for, let's say, five years and you're initially talking to people who had new businesses or they were baby business owners and really having an opportunity for your subscribers to segment themselves into their current state. So it gives you fresh eyes on who's on your list, a better understanding of what you can be cranking out. I think this is one of the things that like I never see anybody do, but it's like the easiest thing that is like just get it out and resegment your list, keep your segments fresh, and then have a lot more confidence knowing that, oh, my content is moving someone to the next stage of business. Or even if it's one of those transitional clients, client journeys, if you're a baby, let's say a baby specialist, like there's a lot of people who are helping people sleep, the baby sleep, helping babies get fed, all of those things. If they've been on your list for three or four years, is your message still relevant to them? Do you want them on your list? Probably not. So placing something in front of them that says, just tell me if you've outgrown this content gives you so much insight into who's on your list and what that kind of database looks like. Love that. I love that. And I think really the theme behind all of these points that you're making is really be intentional with the content that you're creating. I think one of the best practices that we have with this podcast and probably with all the content that we create is going through and we ask ourselves, what is our promise to the listener or to whoever is going to be consuming this content? What are they going to get out of it? And then also, how does that tie back to our business goals? Asking yourself those two questions before you create anything or using that before you decide to invest your time into creating that post will make your content so much more intentional because I can have a lot of good ideas and I can get scrolled through social media. But if I run it through that filter and there's no business goal for me, then what is, you know, the point of yeah. creating it for my business? Not saying yeah. I don't have one and like I can do a cookie one, but like I'm not going to get any new online business management clients by posting a cooking reel, probably. Yeah. And I honestly think that a lot of people don't ask themselves that question, right? Like they go and just post to post. I think you see that a lot with people who get stuck only posting educational content because that's what's easy, right? It's what you coach about. It's what you service provide about. It's those aspects that are like super, super easy. But the elements of problem awareness moving into a promotional period, getting into that market research. That's all stuff that isn't native and isn't intuitive to people who are non-marketers. Like you could be a business owner and not have any marketing like understanding. Do you have to do marketing? Yes. Do you have to do sales? Yes. But if you don't prompt yourself with that really intentional business question of how is this working towards the goals? How is this serving a purpose? People love educational content, right? Because it gives them something a little bit more tangible to do themselves, but we are business owners. So we need to figure out how to get them to then buy from us. And if we don't have that understanding of saying educational to purchase, then the educational content isn't serving a purpose and it isn't supporting the goal. Yes. Love that. So we're moving on to like the balance, which I think that Every good visibility strategy should have a mix of both of these. You should have content where you're pushing people out and then you should have connections where you're pulling people towards you. 
And there's a graphic that I love. I actually have it in our notes. You can't see it here, but it's the visibility matrix. And it's what is a time consuming, but slow is organic content. You're going to grow. It's a very time consuming and you're going to see growth, but it's going to be a slower growth. But on the other edge of that, I feel like if you want to audience borrow, you're going to see even faster growth. Or from what I've seen with myself and my clients, if you go on someone every, somebody else's podcast, if you're a guest expert in somebody's course, if you are writing a newsletter or sharing a lead magnet and you're going into somebody else's space who's already done the work to build that no trust factor, I feel like that's when I see these crazy opt-ins because that audience already trusted them. So like you get to pull off some of that trust. So I think that's where it comes, like where this connection piece becomes really important in your visibility strategy as well. There's an element here that if you look at businesses that are entirely supported only by referrals, that tends to dry out sometimes. And so then they really do need that more organic marketing, less word of mouth side of things. So it's what Jess is talking about where it's saying they complement each other and there's a need for both. And there's a way to support your business with both as well. So you don't want to be 100% reliant on people talking to talking about you. Obviously, we want that. But we also want to be really good at showing up for ourselves and putting that awareness out there as well. Well, if you're trying to build new connections or you're trying to get on podcasts or you're trying to be the guest expert in a course, like you're going to have to have that social media to validate that you are the expert. So I think having that that content to prove that you know what you're talking about so that you can get your foot in the door. But I think making connections is also very, very time consuming, but it's worth the ROI because it takes time to reach out to new people, to build relationships with business peers just not something that comes natural to me at all, which is why visibility is probably my biggest opportunity. But it's also my goal this year is all about getting connections and making visibility. Yeah. What else do we have to say about connections, Rachel? Um, I would just say if you are in this kind of ramp up of visibility, reach out to your clients for referrals. That should be a very consistent thing that you do. Maybe twice a year minimum that you just send an email to your past clients, existing clients, and asking for the referral. I think that's really powerful. And if you're ramping up into a big visibility season for yourself, that's something that's like the lowest hanging fruit you could do. Yeah, I think client referrals are number one, a big thing. I also like to create systems around this because making connections doesn't come naturally to me because I am more of a strategic systems girl and relationships can't really be systematic, but they can. So I love to have a little notion board where I have the connections that I want to make or have made their email address, notes from when I last talked to them, and then a reminder of like when to reach out to them again. I have set up pitching processes in my system shop. I have a notion template for how to get booked as a guest on podcast because that requires a ton of follow-up because normally you're emailing really busy business owners and it's going to take more than one email. So I have a whole little like tracker where you can track when you reach out to them and some templated responses. But obviously you're going to want to customize those and not sound like a robot because people that have very successful podcasts get a lot of pitches and you need to be able to stand out from the crowd. 
for me, the way I'm approaching this is setting a goal of like, how many new people do I want to reach out for per week? How many new podcasts do I want to pitch myself for a week? And just approaching it from a, kind of a numbers game at first. Once you lay that foundational work, it becomes where people are more inflowing to you. Yeah, I've set two pitching time blocks on my calendar. And it's so funny because when I first started business, I didn't really imagine myself out there pitching and doing all of that. I think the online space gave it a really feeling of sliding into DMs and doing all of that. But it's if you reframe and understand that pitching is purely just an introduction and kind of putting yourself in front of people that you want to be in front of and remove the sales aspect, remove the conversion aspect, you're like putting yourself in front of people who have the power to hire you and have the need to hire you. I think it changes the whole thing. So this year, every week I'm doing 10 podcasts and 10 businesses that I want to be in front of. And it's been a really, it's been very difficult for me because I'm a big introvert. I don't want to leave my house. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to new people, but it's been an effort to put that CEO hat on and say, this is a necessary side of business. It is, it's so required. Like we're putting our big girl panties on and we're doing it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yes. Same way. That's why I have to gamify it. I have to track it. I have to make it fun. I have to give myself a treat. Get to go to the thrift store after we pitch 10 people. <laughs> like whatever you have to do. Um, but what motivates me is I actually develop these pitching processes for my clients and their VAs move people through them. And the way that I've seen their businesses expand after being on one podcast interview, I had a client this actually this month who all of a sudden I saw 500 new email subscribers, which was not normal. Like we were getting like 100, maybe a month. I was like, what did you do? And she's like, oh, I went into Sunset's podcast and I shared that new opt-in that we made. I was like, oh, this is great. So that's what motivates me is being able to see those success stories to be able yeah. to push through that awkwardness. And it's anything, it's like a skill. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Totally. You put yourself in front of so many no's that the next no is not even a big deal. Awesome. That was too... The two tactics are the two kind of areas that we think that you should do in order to get visible and really improve your visibility into the new year. Shake off all those cobwebs, whatever season of business you're in, really just embrace the energy of that and embrace like the visibility level. But yeah, connections and content, they're cannot be one without the other. You should not do one without the other and you should definitely embrace both. Yeah. So I really encourage you to set goals for each of these. And we always encourage you quality over quantity. So two or three posts a week is what I'm going to be starting out with. And we're going to do five pitches. I'm being verbalizing my goals right here. We're going to do five pitches a week, three visibility posts a week. And that's what I'm going to start with. And when I feel like I've gotten that system down, then we can begin to expand. Awesome. Until next time, we're rooting for you. 